0: Welcome to the B2B Category Creators Podcast, hosted by Gil Alouche, founder and CEO of Metadata.io. This podcast is all about sharing the real and sometimes uncomfortable secrets of category creation in the B2B software space. On this week's episode, Gil talks category creation with Lars Nilsson, VP of Global Sales Development at Snowflake, and Makita Mikado, CEO of Pandadoc.
1: Happy Friday, everyone. My name is Gil Alush. I'm the founder and CEO of Metadata, and this is Category Creator episode, I don't remember which, I think 27. Uh, and I have with me Mikita and Lars. Um, I know both of you, and I'm really excited to have you both on the podcast. Lars, maybe we start with you. Maybe you can give a quick introduction uh, of yourself and the company.
0: Yeah, uh, so Lars Nilsson, I'm the currently I'm the VP of Global Sales Development at Snowflake. Um, and I would say this is, Been about a 25 year journey for me. I started building SDR teams in the Valley back in 1997. Um, And I've been iterating on that model, the model where you take uh, prospecting and uh, you give it to uh, a function and a role that that's all they do. Um, And I I just love it. I love hiring earlier in their career, younger people and developing them and, and their sales skills. Um, and then generating demand and revenues for for venture-backed startups. Um, uh, Last four companies I was at, uh, Portal Software, Riverbed Technology, Cloudera, and ArcSight. Um, And the kind of cool, crazy stat, uh, all four of those companies grew through seed all the way to IPO. And uh, I've always done the same two things. I build out sales development and inside sales and revenue operations, and so that's kind of my—I uh, guess that's my uh, my, my superpower.
1: <laughs> awesome, thank you for that uh, that introduction, uh, Mikita. You're you're up next. I remember that you and I met. I think we talked. We just talked about it like three or four years ago, when Bill Portella introduced us. Uh, we're a happy customer of Planadoc since, and uh, it was really cool to see how you guys grew, differentiated, all that good stuff. Would love to hear a quick background of yourself for for our listeners.
2: Sure, my name is Mikita. I am a software entrepreneur from Minsk, Belarus, now happily living in uh, California. Uh, PandaDoc is a software as a service product that helps to streamline document workflows, uh, things like you work with proposals, contracts, generation of those documents, signing of them, and so on and so forth. And uh, as far, we support uh, more than 30,000 businesses uh, globally with our product. And uh, um, uh, we are a team of about 700 people.
1: Awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you both again for joining. I'm really excited. You have different backgrounds, complementary backgrounds. Uh, both, both are well-known in your space this uh, podcast started, actually it was supposed to be a webinar, but Manny Medina was the one who inspired me to make a podcast out of it. So now it's a podcast about category creation because it's such a buzzword and something that's sometimes being asked of companies. Sometimes when it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't. So all we're trying to do is just unravel some of it. And then for the ones who, who want to do it, uh, give some tactics, practical tactics. So maybe we'll start with, uh, with, with you, Mikita, because I saw you nod. When you think about, category creation, what's the first thing that comes to your mind?
2: The first thing that comes to my mind is whether there is any value in doing that. See, very costly and uh, involved activity. And uh, um, the first thing I think about is, oh, is it worth it for you know, this, or this, uh, this or that company or
1: this or that product? Very nice. That's a great answer, thank you. Lars, what about you?
0: So I look at it, again, I've been in sales, I've been a seller or a sales leader my entire career, Um, but I absolutely feel like um, the role and the function of the SDR, which really has existed at scale maybe for 15 years, um, but certainly hundreds of years before that there was sales but the creation of the SDR role category, uh, I think has completely changed uh, the selling world. Um, We've broken up prospecting and selling into two very distinctive roles. And I think it's important because they're two very different motions. And so, um, you know, category creation in the broader sense of sales uh, I absolutely feel like SDRs uh, is is a category. It's now stands by itself. And if you're a company wanting to grow uh, uh, exponentially uh, and you're selling um, an enterprise class B2B type product, I think you have to have this motion. Um, and I couldn't be more proud to be associated with the category of the SDR.
1: Love it. So you're talking about the category, the movement, it's- as a skill, as a profession, you know, that's very cool. I want to go back to the board of these. Um, I almost forgot, it's Friday. I know, uh, Mikita, you're drinking tea. I don't think anything in there, but it's okay. Uh, Lars, you're drinking an alcoholic beverage so we can intoxicate together. (laughs) Cheers, everyone. Mikita, you as well. (laughs) Cheers to you, happy Friday. Here's my tea yeah it's cool just i think they said only with water is bad luck to cheer but everything else i think is good it's it's, you know it's game um loved your comments about category creation i think you have different ideas i think about it a little bit um and it's funny because many guests really do have different different take on it uh some start companies thinking about category creation some stumble upon it and some uh, try to avoid it you know, Mikita, I know your space fairly well, uh, not obviously nothing close to yours, but but how you know, I do perceive some of the players to be similar. In a space like yours, how do you choose whether you are going to, when you ask yourself that question, is it worth it?
2: What is a category for you, Joe? How do you define it? It helps me to calibrate my answer.
1: Absolutely. So a category can be a set of companies that are trying to solve for a fairly similar pain point. So maybe marketing automation can be a category, or sales development tools to large point, like an outreach or uh, sales is is a category. Uh, Converse marketing or subcategories of subconverse marketing could be a category. those are just categories I'm familiar with, of course.
2: Got it. The way I categories is that it, it is an abstraction that helps to compartmentalize, uh, a certain product or service in primarily customers' mind. Um, if we want a broad spectrum of companies or people to think about a specific need in a kind of like boxed manner we create categories. Um, And then uh, being first, like being the first mover, being someone who actually sets that term or amplifies that term and becomes number one within that term is beneficial to to businesses, because all of a sudden, they become the first consideration. And uh, um, within that Within that compartment, right within the within that uh, need box, let's call it that way. Um, Now, to me, the question of 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 whether it's worth it um, is more of a calculation that is it's it's a go to market calculation. there's a category you can easily attach to at a certain stage of your company and grow as fast as you want to at the expense you want to grow then um, maybe that's the way to go Uh, but in some cases there is no need or uh, in other cases there is a need but then you face a lot of competition so uh, what you do is you try to uh, create another box with need and like understanding of what's um, what's good or what's hot, like what's uh, what's important uh, within again like customers customers mind. Um, Any and, and like the answer to that question might be different based on the uh, company's uh, development based on the stage you're in. Um, when we started the company, uh, we had. No resources or uh, any kind of know-how on how to build a category and, or what the category is and what are those for and so on and so forth. Uh, so make it, it made absolutely no sense for us to 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 it now? get it get on that endeavor. Now um, I don't think we're still like ready, ready, and we can like pound ourselves in our chest and be like, oh, we're going to create a category and so forth, but we're much ready than okay. uh years back uh, and... Sounds
1: good. <laughs> you kind of get him an answer. Uh, you give a philosophical answer, but then you give some examples from yours, which I'm very interested in because you are in a space that I'm, you know, I'm not completely unfamiliar with, and so it's interesting. And I think many people, you know, sometimes there, there are some spaces where they're just like a load balancer. It's hard to know. Um, but with something that you use every day, you, you have, at least you have the perception that you understand it better. So it'll be interesting to hear your take about, really, how do you think about it for, for your space, given companies know, uh, other companies that either past companies or, or, or existing. Uh, Lars, you talked about category creation from a different point of view that I've heard until, I think until now, which is the kind of like sales in general changed and it's, like 15, it's only been like 15, 20 years of SDR being in existence. And I really like seeing people from early stage of their career grow into that, like that being that first, first kind of career point for them. Uh, you said 97, if I'm not mistaken, when you started. Uh, what, what happened? Like, can you talk about some things that you've seen in 97 that you may have caught up to or, or others that seem to be like signs of this change happening?
0: Yeah, well, I remember very clearly my manager at the time, his name was Bernie Skamra, and we were at a company called Portal Software. It was a very early stage, maybe in series A funded uh, company in the, in, the, in the online billing space. And uh, we had started building out a sales organization and, you know, sales reps are very, very expensive. Um, not only their salaries, but if they hit it big, their commissions can be, you know, wild, uh, wildly profitable. Um, and he came to me and he said, Lars, I, I'm paying my sales reps too much to prospect. I want them selling, negotiating, and closing. Do me a favor and build me a team where my team doesn't have to do as much prospecting. And what he wanted me to do was build a team, um, Now, at the time, I had a team of inside uh, or inbound, um, and back then it was called telemarketing. Uh, The entire category of inside sales or phone-based sales was was dubbed telemarketing. But um, he didn't want my reps managing inbound leads and qualifying them. He wanted me to go outbound and to help his reps get the first meeting. And that was in 1997. So before Salesforce came on to the the scene, and this is what, seven years before Aaron Ross wrote the book uh, and the Bible and, uh, you know, predictable revenue that many people in in, in my world have read. And um, I didn't really know exactly other than, yeah, you know, I'll do that. And I did. And I'll never forget a year later when my team looked at me and said, Lars, why do we have marketing in in our title, telemarketing? And I I didn't really have an answer for them. We sat in a a room, we got some beers and some pizza, and we brainstormed a bunch of names. And we came up with uh, account development rep and sales development rep and business development rep. And we decided to name each, uh, name the team account development. But it you know, we were very focused going outbound, targeting our outreach at individual personas, at target accounts, uh, trying to get that first meeting, and um, it took off. Uh, and Did
1: you see it happen in other places, or mostly in your within your team?
0: No, I don't know. Uh, again, it, it it didn't start coming. I think until you know maybe a decade later. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, today, SDR, BDR, LDR is a de facto standard uh, in our industry. And in fact, you know, you talked about Manny uh, being on your show and and turning this from a webinar, you know, so Manny, interestingly, you know, he was building out a recruiting platform Mm -hmm. um, and he ended up pivoting into a space that was innovated on by TK Cater uh, at Mm ToutApp. And there was another company, Yesware. Right. that were the innovators in the sales engagement space. But um, it was starting to pick up steam because SDRs were a thing 10 years ago. And then Kyle over at SalesLoft decides to pivot his company, which was really more aligned. Um, he had that API that allowed you to scrape uh link. database, yeah. Right. Uh, and then he, he realized, well, there's people making money over here. Um, so he, right, and they... They may not have created the category, but they these two innovative founders uh, pivoted their technology and, and took over the category and now they're the you know the 800 pound gorillas in the, spa- in the absolutely. space absolutely I love but that you
1: mentioned that because uh, <laughs> just last, ep- last episode someone made the difference between creating a category and leading a category or just like innovating within it and you just told the story of how you know, there's something happening anyway. You know, people on the, the field were people like you, where uh, the change was already like a reality. And then there was an opportunity maybe five, seven, 10 years later. Uh, I wonder if there are, go ahead.
0: Yeah, just the exciting thing is the whole reason the SDR role is, is, is as uh, prevalent and, and, and powerful today is because of that technology, right? Sales reps spend all their time in CRM. SDRs spend all their time in sales engagement. I mean, that category has lifted the role um, and the function of the SDR to like rockstar status. If you don't have an SDR team and you're selling B2B B2B enterprise software, you're not doing it fast enough um, if you don't have uh, an SDR. So for me, it was an unbelievable, glorious time for my career that here are these founders coming in and and, and making a, a, a much needed category even bigger. Um, and, you know, so I, you know, I, I plot all of them.
1: Very cool. Let's change gears for a second. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, one question that I like to ask that usually brings up interesting stories from just from folks like you, is to talk about uh, a moment of failure, of personal failure, something that you've done that you're directly accountable for that, resulted in you know some you know just like a loss a loss of a customer an investor just like some shit show that went because of you when you think about when i ask that question i use those words do one of you have a quick story that comes to mind
0: i mean for me the biggest failures were you know in hiring i mean as you start anything, that first hire or those first in, initial hires, if you end up hiring um, someone that doesn't work out in the beginning, you might be making up to a year and a half, if not two-year mistake. Um, first of all, you got to recognize that you that you made a mistake in hiring. That takes typically three, six, if not nine months. Then you got to figure out what to do with that mistake. And it might take three to six months to try to get rid of it and then you have to hire over that. So you, you could literally uh, not launch because of it. And so I know that many people who are my age have made a lot of hiring mistakes and you juxtapose that with making a rock star hire right out of the gate and how much that 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 can propel you and, and leapfrog. Um, so when I look at those two things and I've done both, um, man, stay away from, you know, uh, uh, you know, we say wait for great. Um, you know, make sure that the person you're hiring is going to be able to wear uh, a, a few different hats right out of the gate if you're just starting something as a founder. Um, but that's where most of my pain has been is in human capital and, and hiring.
1: Thank you. Uh, I think that's a great point i still want to hear your personal story or a personal story for me but uh i'll take the general rule that's a very very good rule i could i can i can emphasize with that and i'm sure mikita can as well um, mikita do you have a personal story that uh is something that is still burnt in your mind of a big failure you've had uh you don't have enough time have in be. the
2: day for those stories no uh, if i get stuck I do. And what I'm saying is I don't have enough time in the day for oh, all see. my stories to surface. I'll <laughs> right, start like very early. Um, my co-founder and I have been endlessly arguing about the design of the product and the, the color of the buttons and uh, what the product should do and uh, uh, a bunch of other issues. The problem is We're basing all of that on our own opinions. And uh, one of the decisions that we made was that, well, we know what to build, we know what's needed in the market. Um, We know we can do it better and just gonna build it the way we think it should be built. And uh, with a feature set that we think it should have, and uh, we'll make it free to save on the engineering of the least important part, which is billing uh and then when the time comes we'll attach billing, and people will start paying us um spend a lot of time building all the features that we uh, fantasized and uh, of course a lot of money and then um, a lot of time and again money to drive uh the, the the free users of the product uh into the product um to drive free users into the product and then um Once we attached the billing, we learned that out of uh, 3,000, back then we were calling them customers, out of 3,000 users, we got only seven that converted into um, any sort of subscription. And at the time, the, the lowest subscription we had was like $9. And the most expensive one was probably like, $30 $30 per month, um, that, was a, like, that was a big, humbling blow. And uh, that helped us to rethink uh, how much we know, how much we should uh, like, trust the hypothesis and uh, assumptions that we have, and uh, um, how much time we should spend with uh, the actual customers that I have the actual need. Uh, so that's, that's one. I, I can keep going. Hiring mistakes, God, I made so many. Uh, yeah, like uh, leadership mistakes, probably even more. Uh, and we can go to market mistakes, absolutely. But, but yeah, um, you know, the, the, the thing about, say, my job is that as long as the company is growing fast enough, I'm not going to be qualified for my job. Qua- like, over and over and over and over again. And that, like, that humbling experience is going to uh, come in on a regular basis. I've not done what I'm doing, be- what, what I'm doing before. It's, it's the first time. It's my first rodeo. And, uh, and I fuck up. But, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's how I learned, too.
1: Love, Love it. Love it. Thank you. That was awesome. Uh, two things I... I, I took for it from first of all that example with all the data is awesome. Uh, look, it was your first customers. You probably f- still partied and like celebrated it, even though it was just seven or oh, what? Well, I hope so. At least, but uh,
2: the time, <laughs> but the time we spent almost all of our savings, um, and uh, I don't remember any
1: any sort of party. Well, you probably blacked out. <laughs> no, no no i i hear you uh anyway i think it's beautiful that you, you shared all of that thank you and uh really i think every founder that that will remember what you just said it's a humbling experience and you're constantly unqualified i don't think i heard that before that was uh that was very good lars do you want to add anything to your uh very important lesson about hiring
0: um i mean uh what do they say? Uh, measure twice, cut once. I mean, you do background checks. I mean, there's so many ways to, um, you know, when you're behind in hiring, um, it's easy to want to take a chance.
1: Right, right. right.
0: Um, and the minute you decide you're going to take a chance um, is, I think, when you let, um, where you're going to start making a mistake.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, the better. balance. You know, the
0: good news is, you know, in the world I live in, LinkedIn and connections and references, I mean, um, I can find out just about everything there is to know about someone who has a track record um, because there's connectivity there. So, it, I may, you know, the world has made it a lot easier for me to make sure I don't make as many hiring mistakes. At the same time, I, I do a lot of hiring with, uh, Young adults coming out of college or younger adults changing their careers and wanting to try sales. And so, what is it that makes uh, a great, you know, SDR or future seller? And um, I've come up with um, a term, uh, I, a lot of people will say grit. Um, I call it fire in the belly. Like, if you're a self motivating and self starting individual, that is, I think, all I need uh, to realize that i have someone that i can work with uh, get them a little bit early they don't have as many um bad habits and i can train them and i can uh, educate uh, mentor and coach them um, so i make a lot fewer mistakes today but uh i also you know we're growing at uh such a fast clip at snowflake and i mean i literally uh, i think i have to hire 100 sdrs this year close to it anyway And that's a lot of people to go through. Um, And uh, is every single one gonna be, you know, that rock star that goes up and to the right? No, Um, but um, uh, yeah, Um, anyway.
1: Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Let's take a pause and drink. I have have been anyway, but give you a pause for a second. Miguita, you're in uh, San Francisco right now. Did I hear you correctly? They, you moved to California.
2: Close enough. I live in Pacifica.
1: Pacifica. Oh, no. Nah, great. great spot. Love Pacifica. Uh, yeah, Pacifica is awesome. Do you? Now I thought about the connotation of Pacifica, and it, it confused me for a second. Do you? Uh, do you smoke weed? No. Oh, okay. So otherwise, I could have, you know, I could have sent you uh, through ease and those things, but uh, no worries. <laughs> no, no, not gonna, not gonna work. We know, we'll figure it out. We have, you know, it's the rest yeah. of our life to figure out what, you to intoxicate with. Um, well, cheers anyway, and uh, enjoy it. enjoy that. Um,
0: so good.
1: You know, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to ask something else. Uh, you both worked, you know, you, you, you said fe- first rodeo, Mikita, but you've been working on Panadoc for how long? Eight years, nine years.
2: Panadoc is eight years old. Eight years old. The company is eleven years old. We had a different product that preceded in the duck.
1: Hey, you don't have to explain to me. I had the same, uh, same, same difference. So, eight years old, uh, but you know you've worked on it even before in a different, in different business model, what have you. You're not really at your first rodeo anymore. Uh, you know, uh, Gary Nakamura, one of my first engine investors, told me after three years, I, "You don't have to say anymore that you're first time because you already made all the possible mistakes." So you have a little bit of, of street grid. Uh, so for you, it's been, it's been a long. Uh, and, uh, and for you, Lars, you have been you know, at it for like probably 25, 30 years, if I, if I understand correctly from calculating the years. You've seen uh, a lot of things in Silicon Valley and, uh, and in tech startups. And I think there is a consensus that some of those things are true, some of the perception about the Silicon Valley company, and some of them are not true. And also some things need to change, some bullshits that that exist that almost everyone who works in the valley uh kind of want to see them see them change. What is an absolute truth that you experience personally that might not be the common common knowledge or common common agreement? Uh, something that you've maybe read in tech star, you know, like tech Ranch or heard about in Saster, or you're like in one of those meetings and you hear someone repeating that mantra on that, that, that supposed knowledge, but you know, that's not the way it goes. Like, it's completely different and everyone knows it. Do, do, is there something that comes to mind about Silicon Valley or tech startup growing that might be uh, worthwhile sharing?
0: Well, what I remember, so I was a part of the first bubble, uh, the one that started uh, you know, in the mid-90s uh, and then the one that burst. And what I remember from that time is there was all these founders going around you know, trying to get money and trying to get people to look at their ideas and they all ran around with NDAs, right? You have to sign my NDA because you can't tell anyone about this because I have this great idea. I'm gonna disrupt this category and um, everyone had it. I, I the number of times I went into a sales pitch and everyone had to sign the NDAs back and forth. It just was a, it was a thing. Um, then the bubble burst and uh, right, it took us a while to kind of get back on our feet again, the venture backed startup community. But I think what what I saw is it's so hard to start a company. It's even harder to get funding and then try to grow that company and go to all the different levels. I can tell you today, no one walks around with an NDA anymore. Like if you're going to start something, you better uh, you better have really, really thick skin, and then you're going to ask for help. And I think what's happened in the last, you know, two decades is everyone realizes how hard the founder journey is. We got to help them. We got to help them with everything we have. And uh, I spend uh, time advising a, a local seed stage venture capital firm called True Ventures. Um, and again. Um, if there's anything I can do to help them not make the same mistakes that, you know, Makeda made uh, when he started uh, one of his first companies, then I'm all for it. Uh, you don't have to sign my NDA. I will give you my playbooks. I'll give you my, uh, the, the results of my failures and some of my successes, but let's help founders. Let's give them everything we have without asking for anything in return because they need help. And it just, interesting there was this like no me 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 it's my idea you have to sign something before i show it to you to now man this is really hard let's just jump in and help each other and i do feel that there's a lot more people willing to help and give than there was before and that's a really big difference uh from you know the valley 1.0 to you know what it is today
1: that's awesome i saw you smile quite a bit when you heard uh lars did you want to respond to that I'm
2: glad I was not here when it was 1.0. Like <laughs> think at the time I got here, but that was like the the the, the biggest thing that um, probably the biggest thing that drove me to stay. The number of very experienced, intelligent people and experienced as it comes to what I do. Uh, that are willing to help I love that I absolutely love that and that's why I'm here I feel like this is the place where I can be the dumbest guy in the room and I can learn and um, that won't stop um, probably would be the case and of uh, many other places too but um, I just like it here so much plus there's surfing and there's skiing and <laughs> Bunch of other really cool things,
1: <laughs> especially in Pacifica. That's awesome. Um, that's great. Is there something that you want to share that that uh, you've experienced, Mikita, as uh, a, a well-known uh, truth or perception about the valley that you actually experienced something different as as your founder the, as as you know during your journey as a founder?
2: Mm. Well, let's say. It's- it's, it's easy to raise money these days. Um, I did that such a long time ago. I did that eight years ago. It was not easy, uh, but it was eight years ago. That's that's when I was kind of like in the midst of raising money in Silicon Valley. Very, very different climate. And uh, it's very hard for me to 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 comment on that. Less than DAs flying around. Well, less usage for PandaDoc. Not sure how I feel about that um, actually I feel good about it but um, yeah you know the the look, we're a serious c company and uh being a serious c company uh no matter where you are is very different from being a like a startup startup um, it's pretty awesome though like I love where we are today. I think it's fun. Um, I also lo- loved when when we were a small startup and um, you can like do things, do more things with your hands and like, iterate and so on and so forth. And now the challenges are bit different. I I don't do anything with my hands anymore, um, and when I do, it fails typically. So um, yeah. Um, I I I like Silicon Valley. I like Silicon Valley. I like it a lot. Um I've not found a place in the world that
1: where I would want to be
2: more than here.
1: Very nice. Um thank thank you for sharing that. Let's talk about uh for a second a little bit to go back to kind of your earlier comments about category creation. Um you know, one of the things that, uh, that CEOs and founders sometimes end up doing is at least, you know, exercise, you know, go through the exercise of considering whether they should or should not do it. For the ones who decide it's a good idea to do it, uh, and you can speak from personal experience, that will be most helpful. Do you have, uh, have you been a company that, that created a category or led a category? And if you were active participant in that process, is there one tactic that you were personally personally witnessed that made a big difference? I'll give you examples of answers that we that I got to this question. Like um, um, one of them was we sent an army of customers to pick up the phone and call analysts. We had it with a program for it. Another one was the, we tripled pricing so that we have a moment to answer the question: Why do you cost three x than the rest? Um, Those were some some examples. Do you have um, ones that you you can share with the audience?
2: We are in the very beginning of our journey. And uh, I'd say that we at PandaDoc try to listen as much as we can right now and learn as much as we can versus um, share the best practices. It's, it's just way too early.
1: Okay. That's a fair comment. Thank you. Uh, Lars, you've been a few, I think you mentioned every company that you worked for had an IPO, right? Or or a billion dollar outcome. Can you, so, you know, I will make an assumption, especially, especially since I know some of those companies, like there some of those companies did create category or led them. Um, do you have anything that, that comes to mind as, as you see as a constant tactic or predictable, Some something that is, likely to work that you've seen successful?
0: Well, uh, again, I, um, we, I chose a couple of duds. No, not duds, I just, I, you know, there was a few companies that were in between those where, you know, that went nowhere. And that's also uh, a part of the experience of being in the Valley. But absolutely, when I look back at all five of them, um, including Snowflake, um, get my camera here, um, the leadership team, uh, and again, uh, in all five companies, um, the founder ended up not being the CEO that brought it across the line. Um, it, happens, it happens both ways, but uh, I ended up realizing, um, and again, I followed a few very notable business CEOs, and again, when you're a business CEO, um, uh, venture uh, venture wants you to take over their companies, you know, quote unquote, the companies they've backed. Um, it's just really hard, uh, to scale. Uh, you know, once you get to 1 million, um, you got to try to get to 10 million. I mean, you got to try to get to twenty-five yep. million and hundred million. It just gets so hard. And when I, uh, realized, um, after hitting a few duds that it, um, to me, I realized if you follow really good venture money and you follow really good executive teams, um, yeah, the product has to work. Um, it's gotta be in a category that's you know being lifted and, and what have you. But uh, I think the ingredients, executive team, uh, product, um, and money, um, I would put my bet on a, a, the business side, the executive teams, and where the money's coming from. Um, and you know, as long as a product works, it doesn't have to be the best. And there's a lot of products and services and technologies out there that were not the best, but man, when they had a selling and marketing motion, they got the word out, the brand out, and were able to uh, you know share how they solved a problem. Uh, that's what a lot of people go for. And so I think selling and marketing has a lot to do with Uh, brands and technologies and companies going to the next level. Um, And I just happen to uh, follow on really good venture capital um, and, and business uh, oriented executives that decided intentionally to go to this company versus another one, right? Seasoned executives understand um, the companies that are going to be able to punch through, in my opinion.
1: Absolutely. Uh, That's great. So team, Investor, product, you know, really, team is for you the the highest priority. That's uh, no doubt about it.
0: No doubt about it. the The amount of communication and alignment that needs to exist when you go from ten people to a hundred people to a thousand people, you have to. I mean, again, there's there's a lot of things that creep into culture, some good, some bad, you know. Uh, but as you get bigger, um, communication and alignment become Two of the most important uh, uh, forces in my mind, because uh, you know, people when change happens quickly, people need to be led through that. In my opinion, uh, they need to be talked to, communicated, and led. They actually want it. And uh, business CEOs that have been there before, or you know, executives that have been there before and done that, they know. They have all the scars and they understand. Um, and uh, I joined an unbelievable uh, business-oriented executive team at Snowflake, right? They're all purpose kind of, they were all you know, curated and, and brought together um, you know by our current leader, Frank, Frank Slootman.
1: Very cool. I think that's very interesting, especially to companies that are going through that growth, but, but I think for everyone in general. Um, Hey, folks, we're about to come to the end of this episode. Uh, Mikita, I know you have a hard stop in five minutes. I uh, would love for both of you to leave one remark to, you know, early stage founders and marketers uh, in SaaS companies, uh, you know, and, and people in B2B companies in general. Is there a piece of advice that you'd like to to kind of leave the audience, that the listeners with? Uh, Mikita, you can start giving your hard stop.
2: Try to enjoy it. <laughs> to enjoy. Keep learning, and try to enjoy it. I think that's all that matters.
0: Yeah, I'll uh, I'll take a slightly different tack, but it's similar. So um, I've been operating in the valley for about 25 years. I've been out of school working for 35 years, and uh, you know I've I've lost um, I've lost along the way uh, on the home front and on the personal front because the amount of attention and focus and dedication that it takes to wanna either be a startup founder or join a startup and help them grow. Um, uh, I didn't realize how much uh, I would lose on the home front and on the personal front. And I did end up losing. And um, I think that anyone that wants to become involved in the Valley um, in a startup, regardless of what role or position Is make sure you've got uh, things squared away on your personal front, on your health front, um, on your relationship front, and share. uh, Because uh, as soon as you don't, there's this divide that will end up creeping in. And if uh, the persons, uh, the people, the persons you're with at home or in your other circles aren't understanding what you're going through, there's a divide that happens, and uh, again, I've, I've lost on the personal front, and I will tell you that uh, it didn't have everything to do, but it had to do with, you know, just how much I was traveling, just how much attention and, and weekends and all the things that you do when you burn, burn, burn the midnight oil, so to speak. Um, so I, I think you have to be very intentional if you want to get into this space. Um, uh, you have to have the cycles. Uh, because uh, it can very quickly take over on the personal side, on the mental health side, and you just gotta watch out for it.
1: Love that. How could I not? I think every founder has experienced that deeply and there is a good uh, you know good content. really thank you for sharing that. I think it's one of the I, probably top top best uh, answers I got for this one. I won't forget it myself. Uh, thank you for sharing. Hey, Mikita and Lars, I really enjoyed today's episode. Thank you very much for joining and speaking your mind, uh, and spending an hour with me.
0: Right on, Gil. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. Have a wonderful weekend.
0: Nice to meet you, Lars. You too, Mekito.
1: Bye, gents. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks again for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed today's discussion and will tune in again. Find all of the B2B Category Creators episodes at metadata.io. And if you have any feedback, topics, or would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out.